0: Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22.
1: Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. I am Brandon Carum alongside belly up sports boston red sox beat writer lj lafiora uh we're here to talk some some baseball the only baseball con uh uh, the only baseball podcast excuse me that we know of that uh, produces content seven days a week uh yeah you know i'd say we're mostly baseball mostly you know whatever a good chunk of baseball yeah a good chunk of baseball every day but uh Oh, LJ, I think now is a good time to announce because this episode will be coming out on Thursday, which is the day one of the NFL draft that we will be making an appearance, not today, Thursday, but Friday. Uh, would you like to uh, break that down cause, and get all the the details in there? Because I did not do a good job explaining.
2: Um. Yeah, so. We are going to be joining the fantasy football. One of the belly up sports, fantasy football groups is going to be doing a full, all encompassing NFL draft coverage this weekend. All three days, they'll have people, all sorts of different people, coming in as guest commentators throughout for all the different picks. A lot of, guys, a lot of people from both inside belly up and outside have a lot of expertise. So we will be coming on in on Friday for picks 45 through 50, and we will be uh, very excited to share our NFL opinions with you guys, seeing we don't get to do that very much here. And I'm looking forward to it, Brandon. Definitely check us out. We'll be tweeting that link out and everything once we have it for that day and the day before and such. Well, today, I mean yeah so, you
1: know it, it uh, should be a nice change of pace especially because there isn't a lot of um mlb games um today thursday uh so i'll be watching the nfl draft definitely seeing what my giants can do and uh yeah it should be exciting i'm gonna be uh, watching a lot of that live stream because so many different people from a belly up will be joining uh during that so it should be great but uh LJ, what do you say we get into the game recaps for April 29th?
2: Yeah, let's do it. First up, we're going to go with the so Red April Sox.
1: The eighth. excuse me. I,
2: yeah, already 29th episode. Uh, another well-pitched matchup between the Red Sox and Mets finds its decision in the top of the second. A Xander Bogart's double was fo- followed in that bat later by Christian Vasquez hitting a double into the right center gap off a high and outside fastball. Your final score, 1-0 Red Sox. Give the win to Nick Pavetta, his third of the year. He went five innings, allowing no earned runs and striking out seven batters. Brandon, he's got a 2.81 ERA on the season. The loss will be given to Jacob Jacob DeGrom, who's now 2-2. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and nine strikeouts. The save will go to Matt Barnes, his sixth on the year. Today, Martín Pérez will take on Kyle Gibson in Texas, while the Mets get an off day before they travel to Philadelphia.
1: Uh, Jacob Degrom now two and two on the year with a zero point five one ERA. Uh, LJ, if this was not a typical Jacob Degrom start, I'm not sure what was. His offense gets him two hits, uh, and they lose one nothing, and he pitches pretty much a gem. I mean, six innings, they had to pinch hit for him to try to get some offense going there. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know.
2: Yeah, I honestly, I think this one is less, uh, maybe uh, again, just trying not to be biased here, less like completely surprised than I should be here. First off, Nick Pavetta has been pitching – great of late you cannot deny that he has really turned turned things around with the change of scenery to boston that 2.81 era over i think it's now what five starts six starts however many he's 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 pitched every time through the rotation so whatever that would be now um got getting to that three and oh mark so i'm while while i i certainly was not expecting one hit from him in this game I'm certainly not surprised by seeing a one or two run or one a quality start out of him, what would have been a quality start. I'm not surprised by that. Overall, though, I mean, the Mets should have had more urgency than they did because right now, especially, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. but you look at the guys that they brought in. Again, Brandon isn't going to like me for saying this, because he seems to be manstrating over this Red Sox team right now, but um, Garrett Whitlock has pitched absolutely fantastic, being that kind of middle to long relief role for the Red Sox. hasn't allowed a run so far this year. Still has that zero ERA, and has just looked really sharp since spring training. Ottavino, with a couple of a couple exceptions, has looked really solid, like a solid setup man. All through this year and matt barnes has been fantastic thus far so when you're looking at a bullpen that was largely fresh i mean you think the only other guy that you would have probably seen in the game if you were only going to give garrett whitlock one inning would be somebody like sawamura so but other than that these are probably three of your best four relievers right now you have to have more urgency with Pavetta on the mound to score because it's going to become so much harder when these guys are most likely going to come up in a close game.
1: Yeah. You know uh, I think that that's a great point because we saw the same thing with the, the Yankees uh, specifically that Rays series uh, two weeks ago uh, over that weekend. Uh, there's just, it's very easy to tell when there's not a lot of energy on a certain game day and for the Mets tonight I watched a lot of this game uh there was just no intensity at the plate there was it was just like a lack of effort almost and you're absolutely right LJ if you when you have a the starter out there like Nick Pivetta, who is pitching very good this year and did pitch very good tonight you need to be taking pitches you need to be working the count and the Mets didn't really do that I mean yes they draw three walks but their top three goes a combined uh, one for ten tonight. They only get two hits the whole night. Just no, no real urgency at the plate. And then those last two innings, I mean, Ottavino and Matt Barnes absolutely shut them down. Like those were two very non-competitive uh, innings of hitting from the Mets. So yeah, uh, really rough game for them. Uh, Red Sox squeak out a nice win versus Jacob DeGrom. I mean, certainly LJ, when uh, you looked at this pitching matchup, you I'm I'm sure you weren't feeling the, the greatest, but Hey, you guys got the hits when it mattered and that's all that really does matter.
2: I have to be honest. And then I've got one more thought after that. When I was talking to a Mets, a Mets fan friend, I have the other day, I was predicting maybe a four to three Red Sox loss the game i was i always thought that this would be a low scoring game i did not see it being one nothing but actually it's two things i have to say here because this might be just and this is me kind of making uh, another statement about how much i love this team but brandon you're seeing a lot with this team of that moxie that the 2018 team had i'm not saying they're at the same level as the 2018 team. this team is not nearly as deep as that team nor as talented but you're seeing those same types of – the same confidence, the same demeanor, and when you have guys playing like that, you're not going to see silly mistakes going to be made. You're going to see good approaches made throughout the day, and they're not going to beat themselves. And so that's just really exciting to see. But, yeah, this is certainly a missed opportunity for the Mets. Nick Perra, as much as he's been playing great – I'll be honest. He is probably the most volatile player in with the exception of Garrett Richards. If he has a good start, it would be considered volatile, but he has a lot of room for up and down. I mean, you think about it, these past two starts have been great. Five innings shutout, out uh, six and a third innings last week against Seattle, where he went no hit through up until that sixth inning. Then it kind of got in his head a little bit and of course your line's never going to look that great once you get in your head that you've got a no hitter. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you can get him off his mark still, he's still young. He still has room where he needs to improve. So if you get him off his mark, he is hittable. So you have to take advantage of that because that's, you're going to be your only shot right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, totally agree. Uh, you know, this 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 mess team, I hope at some point they can give Jacob deGrom some some run support. Uh he could potentially be having one of the best pitching seasons ever. And he might not win fifteen games, which would be a real shame uh if that happens. I just hope at some point they can get run support or else then like because he's locked into this contract for so long, like eventually. they're they're, they're going to start scoring runs for him, but I imagine it just must be incredibly frustrating for him to like have, have had so many starts like this.
2: Yeah. Especially seeing they did so much to improve this team this year. Like even the lineup looks much better than it did a year ago. So you would think that they, if this is supposed to be a competitive team that is vying for the division this year, potentially even playing for the world series, you have to be able to get runs with your best guy in the mound. You can't be dropping these games. It's like we were saying a lot with the Yankees early when they were dropping games with Garrett Cole on the mound. And he's out here putting up 1.9 war and getting losses. Like you cannot afford early in the season to just lose these games. You can drop games, but these should be no-brainer wins throughout the season and is like, to me, is a neg- is like a minus two wins for a team that, like, it's going to be so much harder to climb out of the hole if you make a hole later in the season if you're not able to win with your best guy.
1: Absolutely agree uh, with that. But uh, let's move on to the second game that we're going to talk about. The Twins and the Indians. The Twins' offense was hot early. They scored seven runs in the first three innings. Byron Buxton goes deep uh, for his eighth home run of the year, along with Josh Donaldson and Jorge Polanco. They all go yard in the first inning. The Twins would get a homer from Williams Astadio and then two home runs from Mitch Garver, and they win 10-2. Give the win to Jay Happ. Now 2-0 on the year, strong seven innings, a four-hit, two-run ball, striking out three. The loss to Logan Allen, who's now 1-4. and He only goes one and a third, allowing five hits and six runs. These two teams are off today, with Minnesota hosting Kansas City and Cleveland traveling to Chicago to take on the White Sox
2: on Friday. Marlins and the Brewers. Yeah, so the Marlins played the Brewers in Brandon. You'll never guess what happened. Tied two to two. Jesus Aguilar hits another dinger, this time for three runs. Miami added another run late to win six to two. Give the win to Sandy Alcantara. His first on the year, he's one and two. He went seven innings, allowing two earned runs. And the loss will be given to Zach Godley. He went three innings, allowing three earned runs and striking out five batters. The Brewers' Eric Lauer will take on Trevor Bauer of the Dodgers, while Miami gets an off day before playing the Nationals.
1: On to the Yankees and the Orioles. For a second night in a row, the Yankees' bats were hot. They got on the board with a Mike Ford home run in the second inning. After a Glaber-Torres single, Gio Rochella would hit a three-run home run, by far the hottest hitter on the team in this last week, and that made it 5-0 Yankees. Clint Frazier would add on with a home run in the eighth, and the Yankees win 7-0, give the win to Domingo Herman, who's now 2-2. He goes seven innings, allowing three hits and six strikeouts. Really nice bounce-back start from him. The loss to Dean Kremer, who's now 0-2, four to third, ten hits and six runs, rough outing for the right-hander. These two teams will meet today at 105, and it will be Jordan Montgomery taking the Jorge Lopez.
2: Yeah, Brandon, of course, you can give me your thoughts, but I just all right. Wait. Yeah, let me now that I've rethought it, I don't feel bad, but it's too bad for Yankees fans that Domingo Herman lost that time where when he did. I mean, he was really at the top of his game. He was improving so much back in 2019. And then having, of course, the well deserved uh, suspension thrown in there just really stunts a guy's growth, not being able to get out on the mound and pitch against big leaguers. So I mean that's I think I think that unless you're seeing something else has to be a very much a contributing factor to why he'd been so up and down early. I mean, just not being not seeing major league pitching in two years, pretty much. I mean, it was June of 2019 was the last time he'd start been starting a major league game before this April. So that just, that really hurts for a guy who could have been a very nice pitcher in this rotation for a while is now looking more like a back end kind of if he if he performs great if he doesn't he doesn't
1: so uh he actually ended up uh finishing out that 2019 he pitched in June and then he had he had to miss about a month due to uh he got hurt Oh, came back, okay. and then the suspension came in the off season heading into the 2020 season okay but uh look he wins 18 games in 2019 and uh A lot of it was thanks to awesome run support from that offense. Uh, He was still a very good pitcher. Do not get me wrong, but 18 and four with a 4.03 ERA is a bit of an aberration. Like that's not, you don't see 18 wins with a a four plus ERA very often. Uh, He's been just a streaky pitcher. Look, his entire career, 2019, 2019, he was very good. Uh, what we saw in 2018, though, was completely different. Uh, was walking a lot more batters. Uh, and, you know, look, he's still young. I mean, in a sense, this is his age 28 season. We're, we're just going to have to take the the good with the bad. I mean, if he can return to what he was like in 2019, we're I'd be very, very happy with that. I mean, what I saw out of him tonight showed me every indication that he has what he had in 2019 yes it's the orioles but i mean you can't fault him for who we play i mean he pitched good i guess the competition that was out there uh, exactly. so yeah i i'm it, certainly look if if he comes back and is, is able to pitch well uh Uh, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to be mad. Look, I've been mad about him for his personal actions. I think everyone has a right to be and just like not a fan of him, but as in what he does on on the baseball field uh, is how I determine whether or not I'm a big fan of him in a sense.
2: Yeah. Honestly, from, again, I haven't sat down and watched a Domingo Haran start this season. However, from what I can see by the numbers, he's just gotten hit hard.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.
2: I mean that's that's
1: kind of how it has always been though. He's kind of like a guy that yeah. just like works around the edges and he can get, he he can put the ball in a good spot and he he doesn't walk a lot of batters uh or he, at least he hasn't this year but he makes a few bad pitches a game where it's like just get crushed.
2: Yeah, I mean this isn't certainly not a uh good sign here right now he's standing around the 33rd percentile in average exit velocity and in that 2019 season where he had those wins he was only about a little more than half a mile an hour lower than that so that's a couple of what is that probably a couple of percentage points so i mean this is gonna this has been a theme even at his best well uh... all right yeah sorry um i can't get the tab open Um, Yeah, so next up we got the Reds and the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw decided to set the record straight last night on who the best team in the world is, going seven innings of shutout ball and eight strikeouts. The Dodgers scored eight runs, including a Justin Turner solo blast to win 8-0. Give the win to Clayton Kershaw, who's 4-2. So that's the only reason I know that there's been six times through the rotation. Is because he has so many decisions. Is there anyone else in the league that has that many decisions?
1: I think Stephen Matz has five. Logan Allen has five. No, I don't think anyone has six. But um,
2: that just that just looked a lot bigger than I it mean, probably is. If there was I someone like, wow. who,
1: like I feel like the guys who get the most decisions uh, at the end of the year, like the best pitchers, because you have to go five to get the win. Mm. And-,
2: and and you and usually, if you're one of the best pitchers, you're not going to get absolutely, with the ex- a few exception games, you're not going to get shelled. So you're going to end up being out there for six innings with like three or four earned runs on a bad day. So yeah, that's why you're going to end up, no matter what, with a lot of decisions, is because you're going to go deep into games. That makes perfect sense. The loss is given to Sonny Gray, who is now 0-2 on the year. He went five innings, allowing two earned runs and 11 strikeouts. Brandon, again, we were talking about this before. Anything under six innings, no matter what how how you swing it, if you're not going six, six plus, it gets incredibly hard to get over that um, 10 strikeout threshold. So really props to him for having a lot of swing and miss stuff tonight. The big red contraption gets a day off before their series against the Cubs starts. And I gotta be honest there. I know they, I know they had a mighty struggle over the couple weeks there, about a week and a half where they just couldn't do anything right. They're in a good spot. Now they've now taken two games from the Dodgers who are tied with the Red Sox for the most wins in the league. And and you got to be feeling good, yeah. You've got to be feeling good about that, and then you're going up against the Cubs, who could eat could easily. I could easily see with the way that they've been playing right now, them being kind of like the flex tape of teams for National League teams. Like if you're if you're struggling to get your feet under you, just slap some Chicago Cubs series on you, and you're probably going to end up with at least a split a split series.
1: Uh, so on the Reds you put in the dock here and you think that they're in a really good spot i mean yes two out of three from the dodgers is surely very impressive however they as we talked about last night they could have been the first team since april 2019 to sweep the dodgers uh secondly they're still two and eight in their last 10 you can't you know look away from that uh but the cubs are also equally as bad uh Oh, they're we're gonna, worse. We're going to talk about them later, but I mean, they've not been good over their last few games. After being starting off like pretty hot, I mean, the Cubs at one point were like seven and three, eight and two in the in a ten game stretch there. So,
2: yeah, they they are losers of five straight, and I just don't see anything. I have yet to see this team really excel.
1: The Cubs are
2: the, the Cubs. I mean, they may be winning game, but you're not seeing them do it flat in flashy ways you're not seeing them excel in one part of the game where it's like yeah this is they're going to be a terror on the base paths they're going to be a terror for hitting home runs the entire year like the Reds have so what I'm saying here is I understand again as I I acknowledge the slip the slip they had however two games against the Dodgers is two games against the Dodgers you can't fault yourself for being um, shut down by Clayton Kershaw like Clayton Kershaw is one of the best yeah, he is the best pitcher of this last generation, and that's going to happen. Like you can't really get too mad about that, especially when you've t- taken two games from a really good team. So now you've got two the last two games, two of that two and eight. Now you're going into I'm pretty sure it's a four game series against the Cubs because it's in division. So let's say just just for kicks, let's say three and they go three out of four which is a certainly a success, a success in my book. Now you're talking being five and five over your last 10. Yeah, That looks a lot better. That puts them at 500. And that's a much better spot to be in when you're only three games out of the division lead right now. So I just think as for the way that coming out of skids like this can go, they're in a better spot than a lot of people can be from a confidence perspective because they have, they had such big wins and then they're going into a really easy game.
1: On to the nationals and the blue Jays, the Nats would score eight runs in the third through fifth innings with contributions from Ryan Zimmerman and Starling Castro singles And then they got home runs from the two Joshes, Josh Harrison and Josh Bell. There's no two
2: Joshes. I'm sorry. There is one Josh. Haven't we been over this? Explain. There there was not a battle in the Midwest last week this week for there for you to be just throwing the name Josh out (laughs) really nil. Little Josh (laughs) is the only true Josh. Let's call them Jimmy.
1: Jimmy Harrison and Jimmy Bell. Okay. Uh, Toronto would get home runs from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. His first of the year. And then Bo Bichette hits his sixth of the year. But it was not close to being enough. They dropped this one 8-2. to two. The win to national starter, Eric Fetty, who's now 2-2. Two and two, Six innings, two hits, one run, seven Ks. The loss to Steven Matz, uh, really his first rough outing of the year. He's now four and one, three and two thirds, eight hits, six runs, and two Ks. Both teams have today off. The Nationals host the Marlins, and the Blue Jays host the Braves, uh, starting on Friday.
2: All right, coming up next, got the Royals and the Pirates. The Royals got in a bit of a mess after going up six nothing. My, Mike Miner got in some trouble in the middle innings and all of a sudden it's 6-5 Royals but they inevitably pull away to win 9-6. Give the win to Kyle Zimmer out of the pen. The loss will be given to Mitch Keller who went two and a third of an inning allowing four earned runs and the save will be given to Jimmy Staumont his third a year. Both, both teams will be off today.
1: I like how we're just going to call every Josh Jimmy now. They're all all Jimmy. All right. A's and Rays. The only two runs of this game came from a Mike Zunito home run and a Manny Margot single in the fifth. The Rays win a well-pitched game by both sides, 2-0. Give the win to Tyler Glass now. 3-1 and now. He goes seven innings of five hit, no run. Uh, 10 strikeouts, and the loss you can pin on Cole Irvin, who's now two and three on the year, six innings, seven hits, and eight Ks. Uh, he allows two runs. Diego Castillo picks up his sixth save of the year for Tampa. These two play again today. It will be Chris Bassett, and he'll be facing Shane McClanahan, who made his major league debut in the postseason last year, and uh, he will be making his... Ray, your season debut as a starter for the Rays. He, when he made his debut in the postseason last year, he was a relief pitcher, but the Rays are going to try him at starter today. So uh, yeah, that should be interesting.
2: Very interesting. Um, Next up, we got the Cubs and the Braves. Atlanta had five home runs in the game today, Brandon, including Freddie Freeman's seventh and a solo blast by none other than starter Huascar Yanoa after which he was promptly given the silent treatment by his entire team. I absolutely love this celebration, especially for pitchers, because it's like I've seen it. I forget where else I saw it, that they were doing that to the pitcher. And it's like they don't get this very often, these type of stuff very often at all. It's exciting for them to hit a home run much more so than anyone else who's also very excited to be hitting dingers. So when a pitcher rakes, when a pitcher hits a dinger, they're going to want to celebrate. And then all of a sudden, no one seems to be paying attention or caring when they get back in the dugout. And then all of a sudden it all erupts. And I just think it's just the greatest payoff you could give the pitcher in that moment.
1: It's a great celebration. I mean, we've seen it used for guys who hit their first career home run as well. Uh, One of the best uh, uh, just sort of baseball things that you can
2: only see in the MLB. Yeah, the Braves out hit the Cubs 18 to 5 and won the game 10 0. Give the win to Huascar Yanoa, who's now 2 and 1 on the year. He went five and one third of the inning of shutout ball and struck out nine. Again, another situation where those strikeout numbers are very good. Uh, can't should be trifled with. The loss to Kyle Hendricks, who went one and three now on the season. He went three and two thirds of an inning, allowing seven earned runs adbert Alzale for the cubs and bryce wilson for the braves will face off in the series finale
1: lj i'm surprised that you you didn't mention uh freddie freeman was four for five today his one out was made by anthony rizzo pitching for the cubs and anthony rizzo struck him out to ruin his he was four for four at the time freeman steps up and strikes out uh is struck out by the first baseman. So got to love position players pitching just way more often now than ever. I mean, it just seems like we see it so frequently now. It's like at least once, like every three or four days that that one of these. Oh, games.
2: certainly. I honestly think it's kind of smart. I mean, if you're, I mean, certainly not in the way that Tony La Russa used it a couple weeks, a week or so ago against the Red Sox. That was that was a winnable game. Still, it was only like a three or four one run. De- I think it was a four run deficit. Like they weren't out of that game. I didn't. I didn't see the reason for them to do that by any means. But if you're down significantly late, why waste the arm right now? The other thing I think we're gonna see is we're going to see more guys that can actually pitch. And they're going to actually start to focus on this a bit in the minor leagues, giving them random outings, maybe giving them some bullpen work on the side. Because you think about how helpful it is to have guys like um, on the Padres. Cronenworth. Cronen, uh, Jake Cronenworth, yes. Um, Jake Cronenworth, Yerman Mercedes, who are able to pitch pretty well. I mean, Jake Cronenworth, more than a lot of guys, Shohei Otani is, of course, the first two-way player that comes to mind. But Yerman Mercedes was throwing like 88 with a couple of off-speed pitches. So you cannot complain with being able to pull that out of your lineup. Like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to have that extra flexibility?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the future we, of baseball. With with the bench sizes progressively getting smaller and smaller now, we just keep seeing uh teams opt for that extra pitcher we you know it seems like now if you want to be on an MLB bench you have to be able to play more than one position in the field and you need to be able to have a good bat now it could be you need to have those two traits and you might be able to you, you might be asked to, to pitch a little here and there so that could be the the future here uh it'd be interesting if we just start seeing it become like a thing like every day a team's using a position player to pitch but uh
2: wait a minute also i've got a couple i've got a very very in lots of questions right now
1: okay very first nice. off
2: when did chris bryant start playing left field
1: oh no he's been there for like sometimes he i do oh, no, not i just never noticed it before he is not a very good outfield let's see if i can pull up all right so he has played in 2016, he played 60 games in left field. Uh, oh, he's, he's 2018, 2018, he played 14. 2019, he played 23. 2024, 2021, he's played five so far.
2: So, so yeah, yeah here and there. 70 total. 70 or yeah, 70 total games started in left right now. I, I did. I just had no clue that he'd done that before. But the other. Interesting tag along to this is just the relationship that we have to acknowledge between Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman. I'm not sure if you saw the clip from last week, but it gave me a really good chuckle. of and I think, yeah, I was I think I'm pretty sure it was Anthony Rizzo mic'd up and they had um Freddie Freeman in a rundown between second and third, and all of a sudden Anthony Rizzo's running after him screaming frederick as he (laughs) chases him back towards second base and they eventually get him out and they are the two of them are laughing so hard after the play it was just it's priceless these are the moments you want to see especially in a game where you can get more of those types of gems
1: yeah i think that they need to uh put the mic'd up on on more baseball players because there's so much casual conversation that happens during the game that's not like other sports when there being so much downtime in between pitching like i want to know what the outfielders are saying to each other i want to know what the guy who just got the first base the first baseman are talking about and you know the mlb they put uh they did a mic'd up thing with mike trout that came out a few days ago uh Really good, go and check it out on the MLB YouTube channel if you haven't uh really good, really entertaining. I think that's the stuff that's gonna bring in new fans and make them want to enjoy the game but uh
2: well the other thing they should do is they need to ramp up the mid game interviews
0: mm-hmm.
2: like I'm not usually a fan of it like it drives me nuts when you're in between the third and fourth quarter of a basketball game and the media get the or the whoever's broadcasting gets to pull the head coach out of the conference with the players to talk about the game like that seems to be absolute nonsense to me especially in such a critical moment in the game however as you said not only is there a lot of time between pitches you're going to have starting pitchers who have four days off in between the times you you're telling me that ESPN can't get at least two starters a game to talk for it, come on and talk for anything. You're telling me you can't get a guy that's going to be pretty much off the majority of the day, a bench player to sit there and just chat about the game. I want those increased more than I need the on the field stuff, because those are some of the funniest things ever. I think they do a great job with it in spring training. They just have to bring more of those elements into the game, into the regular season.
1: You know, I think ESPN is is actually starting to do kind of a good job with that. But uh, there's also a time where it was that first Sunday night baseball game and they're interviewing uh, Lucas Giolito because he didn't start for the White Sox that night. And the first question they ask him is about Shohei Otani. Why the hell would Lucas Giolito... Like, I understand it's a big thing, but when you're interviewing a guy... Were you're interviewing Lucas Giolito to talk about Lucas Giolito, like maybe make it the second or third question, but to lead off your interview with like, man, the Soltani guys is nuts or however they phrased it. It's just, I don't know. It's just bad interviewing. ESPN's baseball coverage has historically been not good. If you watch the game, every ball off the bat sounds like a cannon. Like, am I the only one that just like thinks yeah, that like, right. like the, the sounds of the field are just like, way louder on espn than just any like a local broadcast i don't know yeah I, ESPN, really. I think
2: i think you got to admit they a they've got they have gotten better like there's a we've we're, we've been talking about multiple different things that we really genuinely love about the espn broadcast and we haven't even mentioned the fact that they've started using ops plus yeah if you can train the audience to ops plus that's going to make the game so much better because more people are really going to be able to understand the stats because it's such a simple one once you learn it. Absolutely. But I have to kind of disagree with you there. I mean, I know it's not, it's not the question I would lead off with. However, I also wouldn't want to hear a guy talk about himself. I frankly, that bores me to death half the time. When you bring a guy on and you're talking only about his performance, how his year is going. No, I lead off with two to three solid questions about the team, then I go to the league, and then if I need something, I would go to Tuma himself. Unless, of course, he's done something crazy recently. Like if he threw like eight innings of shutout ball with 12 strikeouts the night before, you definitely ask him about it. You definitely talk to him about it. But in most cases where it's just a regular interview, I would rather hear his thoughts on the league as, as a whole and as on other players, both in the league and on his team then I would hear him talk about how he his training has gone in the past like three days like it's a good Good point it gets it gets stale I think it gets stale for them and I think it gets stale for me just because they're always talking about it the same things
1: yeah I get that totally all right on to the angels and rangers The Angels scored all four of their runs in the first inning on two-run singles by both Anthony Rendon. Hey, Tony. Hey, 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 Tony. I was waiting waiting for it.
2: Always got to throw you off guard, man.
1: (laughs) Anthony Rendon and Jose Iglesias. The Rangers would score three runs in the first two innings, uh, singles from Nate Lau and Willie Calhoun, but that was all they could get across. The Angels win four to three. The win to Chris Rodriguez, who pitched three in the third in relief after Alex Cobb, can barely make it through the second inning. Once again, Angels pitching uh, actually kind of stepped up, Just not the starting pitching tonight. It was the... R- relief pitching that stepped up. You know, we're they're still they're still waiting for a starter. He'll come eventually uh, when trapped forty. Uh, three to third in relief for Chris Rodriguez, one hit, no runs. The loss to Dane Dunning, the save to Rysel Iglesias, his fourth on the season. Both teams are off today. The Angels travel to Seattle. The Rangers host the Red Sox. Or uh, actually. Red Sox and Angels is, or uh, I'm sorry, our Red Sox and Rangers, Rangers are
2: hosting the R- Red Sox.
1: Is that, t- is that today or Friday?
2: That first? is today.
1: Today, okay. In Texas. Yeah. I was, how many I
2: was, walks I was, for Dunning?
1: How many walks for Dane Dunning? Yeah. Let's see how many walks Dane Dunning had today. Uh, right here, he had one walk.
2: Hey, I'm walking here.
1: <laughs> Very nice.
2: Great win for Tony. You love to see it.
1: That's it's still you.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, it is me. My bad. Uh Phillies Cardinals, the Cardinals got offense today namely from home runs by Tyler o'neill and Paul Goldschmidt. They ultimately fell 5 to 3. Give the win to Brandon Kinsler. The loss to Genesis Cabrera. And the save to Hector Naris, his fifth on the season. Brandon, there was a scary moment in the top of the sixth when Bryce Harper got hit in the face by a pitch. He had to leave the game. Hopefully all is well. I have not checked to see if there was any form of status update. Uh,
1: Harper posted on some social media that he is okay. Um, Okay. He did walk off the field after getting hit. uh, But... What a situation that was! Because there was a lot that went down. LJ, I don't know if you saw everything that that happened uh, there.
2: I didn't see everything. I have a feeling. So why don't you go ahead? Okay.
1: So Bryce Harper gets hit with the 97 mile an hour pitch by by a Genesis Cabrera. The very next batter, the very next pitch, he hits D.D. Gregorius in the ribs with a 95 mile an hour pitch. Now. Genesis Cabrera, after both pitches, like, either, at least on the Harper one, was very, like, obviously it was not intentional. The yeah. second one, he just kind of throws his hands up in the air and then goes back to the mound, on the back of the mound, starts stomping around, pissed off. He's complaining about how he can't get enough sticky stuff on his hand to grip the ball, all this. Meanwhile, right, I'm pretty
2: sure you're not supposed to be doing that. <laughs>
1: So the umps, while all this is happening, the umps are meeting because they're like saying, you know, like this feels like a situation where we could see some retaliation. So they issue warnings to both benches. Now, remember, the Phillies have not hit anyone. They have been hit twice. So Joe Girardi, the Phillies manager, is not happy with this. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. And he comes out. And gets injected because he's screaming at the umpire. He told the umpire that he should have thrown out the pitcher. while well, he points at the pitcher and makes the mock ejection sign. And then Joe Girardi gets tossed. And as he's walking off, uh, after pretty much getting a great word with every umpire, Girardi is pointing at Genesis Cabrera and says, throw the ball over the effing plate. Then Cardinals manager Mike Schilt points at Joe Girardi from the dugout and says, hey, don't talk to our effing pitcher like that. Go, go. So, I mean, quite the crazy, you know, situation that just kind of occurred out of nowhere there in the top of the sixth.
2: Um, yeah, I just – I know this wouldn't be a norm. However, it might be wise to make it a norm. If a guy is showing such blatant control issues, would it be such a terrible thing for them to just throw him out of the game? Like, Joe Girardi, in every other case, other than demanding the guy gets thrown out, because that is kind of a stretch, is right here. They didn't do anything to deserve a warning. So... That probably shouldn't have happened. They probably should have just gathered two managers and made sure it was clear that none of, none of that looked to be appears to them to be violent and whoever's the next aggressor is considered the old, full and only aggressor rather than doing that. But at the same time, from according to ejections sports Wikipedia, um, I am unable to find anything in the baseball section here that makes it yeah. In baseball, each umpire has a considerable amount of discretion and may eject any player or coach solely for his own judgment of unsportsmanlike conduct. That can easily um, count as that because I mean, when you think of like unsportsmanlike conduct, that kind of uh, moves into the general generalization of it, as in like violent acts against another participant that are beyond the sports generally accepted standards for such acts it's just when it gets dangerous like that if the team isn't willing to pull him you kind of have to pull him yourself I think
1: yeah uh and you know they they pretty much did that he only throws five pitches in his outing so uh they pretty much made the right move there
2: wait oh I didn't even think about this angle was oh my gosh I I will be so pissed if he did was uh Bryce Harper, Cabrera's first at bat?
1: Yes, I believe so.
2: Oh, my Lord. This is why the MLB is freaking awful. The front office, not the game. Or not the front office, the league office. So you're telling me that all of this probably, all conflict of him having to stay in the game could have been avoided if there wasn't a three batter minimum? He Uh, he plunks those two batters and then... All of a sudden he still has to stay out there to potentially plunk a third like, that's just that's just dangerous. We're seeing again where a rule that has not sped up the game is more detrimental to players than having a bunch of pitching changes in the first place
1: and what never gets talked about is that there's essentially still as many pitching changes every game yeah I mean tonight. I, I mean, just, like, go and look through any box score. Teams are using a lot of pitchers.
2: And they're now using those uh, fielders, too, those position players, which in a lot of cases, I mean, sure, you have some good ones that are able to get outs, but in a lot of cases, there's going to be a couple of runs scored in that inning, and you're just extending the game with them, too. Miss right, on right, let's lead.
1: keep moving, We got a couple left. We got the Mariners and the Astros. Houston got out to a 2-0 lead in the second on a Chaz McCormick single, and then Miles Straw followed up with a single of his own. The Mariners would then score five unanswered runs. They got a doubles from Luis Torrens and J.P. Crawford, and then home runs from Kyle Lewis and Luis Torrens. But the Astros offense would pick it up late, getting – RBI singles from Carlos Correa and Aledmes Diaz. They also got a sack fly from Jose Altuve. They win seven to five. The win to Joe Smith out of the Astros bullpen, the most basic name, like most common name I've ever seen, Joe Smith, pretty good. Uh, The loss to Rafael Montero for Seattle. Uh, LJ, his fourth blown save on the year already. Uh, two-thirds of an inning, three hits, two earned runs for him. The save to Ryan Stanek for Houston, his first on the year. Seattle has now lost four in a row. Uh, they take on the Angels Friday. The Astros travel to Tampa on Friday.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really rough line for a guy you're kind of hoping will be the bright spot in your both pen, but yeah I mean certainly props to Joe Smith for getting the win he's certainly not my favorite Joe Smith but he'll do for today all right Padres and Diamondbacks Wyatt Matheson put Arizona up two nothing in the fourth but that could not keep them above water once the Padres unloaded for six runs in the fifth and then a Jake Cronenworth dinger in the sixth put San Diego up seven to two They come out on top in this game 12-3 to as the final. Give the win to Aaron Northcraft in a game where they did a lot of bullpenning. And the loss will go to Riley Smith of Arizona, who went four innings, allowing three earned runs. The Diamondbacks will start a series against the Rockies today with Luke Weaver on the mound. Next up, of course, we got the Rockies and the Giants now. A big four-run second inning and three-run seventh propelled San Francisco to a 7-3 victory. Give the win to Alex Wood, who's now 3-0 on the year. He went six innings, allowing two earned runs and nine strikeouts. The loss to Herman Marquez, who is now 1-2 on the year. Brandon, he had a a 4-4-5 line. Brandon, of course, NFL Draft Week kind of got to give this nice little tie-in because that would be a darn good line if this was the NFL Combine and he was running the 40-yard dash. If that was his 40-yard dash time, the Colorado Rockies would be absolutely thrilled, especially if they were a football team. But unfortunately, this was actually a four-inning, four-run, earned five-strikeout line for Herman Marquez. Not ideal. The new addition to the Giants, Mike Talkman went three for four with an RBI and one run in today's game. The Giants will take on the Padres on Friday.
1: Yeah, LJ, you mentioned new addition Mike Talkman on the Giants. Uh so on what was it? Tuesday night, right prior to the Yankee game starting, the Yankees traded Mike Talkman to the Giants uh for Wandy Peralta, who is a left-handed reliever, and the Yankees will also receive a player to be named later. Uh here's what I can say about Mike Talkman. I mean when we first picked him up, he looked like an absolute steal. Uh I think he had close to 3 WAR in like close maybe 90 games or something when we picked him up, which was like crazy. I mean he was able to provide real real value in the outfield for us could play all three spots. Uh, offensively, he was really good. The uh, 2019 that was that year he was he was really good. Uh, he he did not do well in 2020. Uh, no home runs, close to like a he had a 640 something OPS. Not good, uh, but there was just too many outfielders here that the Yankees had, uh, on their roster. I mean, you have Hicks, Judge, Frazier, Gardner, Stanton, and, uh, is just kind of the odd man out. So the Yankees will get Wandy Peralta, a guy who started his career with the Reds back in 2016. The Giants got him off of waivers in 2019. Uh, this is a guy who typically he's had trouble keeping runs off the board. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Uh, over 192 innings he has a 4.72 era you know it's not spectacular along with his strikeout to walk percentages of 18.5 and 10.8 so i understand why this trade was made was this certainly the highest uh, value you could have got out of out of mike talkman maybe uh certainly wasn't hitting as well this year and like I said, he had a rough 2020 and a small sample in 2019. So I understand why the trade was made. Uh, excited to see what Wandy Peralta is able is going to be able to bring to the Yankees, who who do need a left hander there until Zach Britton can come back. Uh, but yeah, that's that's really all I have to say.
2: Yeah, I think you're underselling the other part of that trade, Brandon. I mean, the other guy the Yankees got in this trade has been a very valuable piece in a lot of trades over the years. He's bounced around the league a lot, and I think that's uh, certainly really good value.
1: Player to be named later.
2: Player to be named later has been a big uh, point of contention. A lot of teams have wanted him over the years. So props. I know the Red Sox had him for a little bit back at the beginning of this season when they traded with the Royals for Andrew Benintendi. He went over in that. I'm not sure exactly how he got to the Giants but from there, but... Yeah. good on them to pick that up but Brandon also before we move on it feels like these giant starters can't do any wrong
0: yeah uh, Realis-
2: realistically you've got you're at minimum three deep with guys who you can you can so far this season feel comfortable with them giving you a quality start or at least a good start And then from and then from there, you have a lot of guys that you wouldn't be shocked to see you do that. I mean, Aaron Sanchez, yes, he can have some real bad days, but there was a reason that Houston grabbed him from Toronto a couple of years ago because when he's on, he is on.
1: He was one of the best pitchers in the league at one point. Like it wasn't even a debate. Like I remember like thinking like this guy is a top ten pitcher in the league. His 2016 year was really really good i think he led the al in in era that year i mean you're absolutely right
2: yes as well as win loss percentage he led the league in uh 2016 wait a minute a three a three era was the league leader
1: for the al that al
2: yeah i know but like that just seems that's a little that's a little weird to not see somebody under two i'm in the twos I mean, I know it's not. I I know it's absolutely not. It's incredibly hard to do that.
1: I think but, that was the first year that that they juiced the ball, and everyone was 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 mad.
2: Oh right, again.
1: Was going again. I
2: ask, why is everybody so okay with the league being a part owner of the means of production of their sports equipment?
1: Are they the only league that, that's that's uh, that that does that? Does the NBA own Spalding or?
2: Um, I don't think so, but also, in 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 basketball, how can you screw up a basketball to the point where it helps anything?
1: No, yeah, you can't.
2: Um, yeah, I don't see anything of NBA in Spalding. Um, unless it's like less than ten percent, Kohlberg, Kravis, and Roberts owns about ninety percent of the company.
1: Mm, okay, so. I mean,
2: so yeah, I have definitely I don't,
1: share. But I know that the MLB has a—is it a majority share in, in in Rawlings?
2: It is not the it is not the majority share, but it's a pretty substantial minority share. Yeah. That so is- like that just that just seems so off in 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 a game where you can legitimately affect it for one side of the ball with just by how you change that ball i mean you think about it basketball i mean really first off the only thing you can really do to a basketball is i guess make it more like the old uh the rock balls which would eventually kind of widen into that oblong shape first off still i swear by it best grip i will ever see on a basketball is going to be the rock
1: but i love the rock basketballs it's my
2: it's my favorite but uh yeah, you can't really do – my point is, like, you can't do anything that's going to help one side or the other Defense, Yeah, offense because everybody's going to be dribbling or trying to defend someone that's dribbling with an oblong ball. In the NFL, you can't, like – what would you do? Wait one side of the ball? <laughs> like, I mean, like, air pressure doesn't count because anyone can change that. But there's no – I don't think there is a way that they could make the ball – be any more high offense than it can it's all about the user in baseball the ball does so much i mean you look at it that's why teams are putting in humidors to keep the keep everything even like there's so much that can happen with the ball that it doesn't seem right that the league is at all involved in what who's making them
1: lj let's get on to the ppp
2: Particular players people might care about.
1: Uh, I'll let you take this first one here because you want to talk about a pitcher who rakes.
2: Yeah, I'll go for a little while here. Actually, yeah, pitchers who rake. Oscar Yanoa with a home run on the day, very exciting for him. Of course, you know, Brandon, these guys do not get at bats very often. You're thinking. At best, a guy, a starter, if he goes deep in a game, might get three at-bats in that game.
0: Yeah. One
2: one of them at best, at best, will be a hit. And you're only getting in the lineup every fifth day. So the odds of you hitting one, even if you're a good hitting pitcher, are so incredibly low. So it's just really special to see these. And then to also have a really good game around that too. Five shutout innings with nine strikeouts is not shabby by any means.
1: No, and that's for my fantasy team. Uh, now, question real quick. Do I get credit for that home run no. that he hit? I do not.
2: No, it's absolutely brutal. Yeah, I know. It's, it stinks. Wow. And, you know, it's one of those things with, Sho- oh. with Shohei Otani, too, where you have to pick which side of the ball you're going to choose him on each day in fantasy Mm. And so, like, even if he even if he is in the lineup as a pitcher and they forego the DH like they have been, you're not going to get the points for him hitting a home run in that game. You're just going to get whatever he has on the mound. Got it. Got it. On to some more dominant pitching performances here, Brandon. Clayton Kershaw turns back the clock a little bit, shows why he's been so good for so long. Seven innings of shutout ball with eight strikeouts. He even when he has I mean, there's no there's no doubting the fact that he has slowed down just a touch with age, but that really hardly seems to be uh, affecting his ability to be a top-notch pitcher in the league.
1: Uh, I'm going to disagree with you saying he slowed, he slowed down because I saw a stat on Twitter today uh, that I have to read out that I just remembered from John Wiseman uh, on Twitter. Clayton Kershaw has pitched... 993 innings for the Dodgers since the last time he won the Cy Young award. His ERA since last winning the award is 2.36. He just gets, it's like he just, it's voter fatigue. It's not even voter fatigue. It's just he's been so good for so long, but Jacob DeGrom is just way, way better. I mean, that's that's all it is.
2: I, th- I think way better can be. So not, not
1: way better, but just like he's better, better to the point where we talk about him as the face, but uh, Kershaw well, is th- currently still there.
2: I think also having the amount of playoff disappointment as he's had. Yeah. Really, really dragged down his name in the late 2010s. Of course that monkey's off his back. That monkey probably should have been off his back in 2017. But as we were just talking about 2016 and the juice balls, can we talk about his 1.69 ERA in that year that we were just giving? Yeah. That was a pass on uh, on that. Who had had higher than him? First off, I mean, fifth in the Young with a 1.69 ERA, a 237 ERA plus. I don't think ERA plus is out of an average of 100 is league average. What would you say?
1: I said, uh, I don't think that he pitched that entire season I it think was 149 that.
2: innings but like all right yeah if it's 149 innings fifth fifth in the Cy Young voting is fine but still the fact that it, that should get talked about more but yeah I mean I think you think people saw the 2018 and 19 numbers and figured eh, he's not let's not put him in the mat rush more of this year's pitchers but that that's that's a bit of a mistake it's a bit of a stretch
1: You got one more, LJ?
2: I do. Jesus Aguilar is currently the most dangerous man with a bat in his hands, the most likely to do damage. He's got now his fifth home run in six games, hitting another three-run home run today. I'm glad to see him back. It's a lot of fun to see Jesus Aguilar hit the ball. He's just so – he's so big and he drives everything behind it.
1: Yeah. You know, watching these pure power hitters, like a Giancarlo Stanton, and the Jesus Aguilar and like a dating back to the past guys like Ryan Howard, Prince Fielder, Justin Morneau, Josh Hamilton, just these guys who put essentially all of their energy behind their, their swing and hit the ball extremely hard. Uh, they're just fun to watch. I mean, yeah, they do strike out a lot, and yeah, they're, they, they, they can be frustrating, but watching them hit a 460-foot bomb is just an awesome feeling as a fan. All right, uh, the one I want to talk about is Byron Buxton. Uh, so, hits his eighth home run of the year today for the Twins. Goes five for five uh, with a double or two doubles. Uh, gets one RBI, LJ, he's hitting 438 this year with a 1.408 OPS. It's pretty good, I'd say. It's, you know, pretty close to where Barry Bonds was in 2004. He would just need to keep up this rate for the entire season, and then he'll have a Barry Bonds' 2004 OPS.
2: Yeah, that's all right.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have one more, actually, uh, and it's Tyler Glass now, uh, not really being talked about as much as he was those first two weeks. He's still, I think other than Garrett Cole, this guy's the front runner for the Cy Young in the AL, uh, three and one now he, his stat cast stats have been really good this year. Top 6% in expected ERA top 6% in expected WOBA. Uh, he has the top 1% in fastball velocity, uh, really this guy is like kind of a classic pitcher when you think about it he's a hard throwing guy with a slider and then a 12 to 6 curveball uh he really only throws three pitches uh in first start for a, a starter now it's pretty rare to see that but the three pitches that he throws are very good and they have such different like arm or not arm angles but just a different action of the pitches that Makes him a really fun pitcher to watch. He gets a lot of guys to swing and miss. Uh, strikes out a lot of batters. Really fun pitcher to watch. Glad he's on my fantasy team, and I get to experience him this year. But, uh, LJ, shall we move on to the leaderboards,
2: and then uh, we can get out of here? Um, real quick, though, I have to ask. So, are we just, like, completely blowing over over one bad start? Um, Shane Bieber just doesn't exist now? Is that what we're running with? Yeah.
1: Did for yeah well you he know most, it, it is a
2: bit of recency long. bias
1: it's a bit of recency bias because the Yankees just you know uh tagged him up a little bit you know two I mean it it wasn't even tagged him up it was two runs Uh and now a glass now with a nice start no uh yeah I would say the top three are Cole Cole Bieber a glass now with that order
2: yeah I mean honestly what Burns and Uh, Bieber are able to do right now is just so incredible. The two of them, there's no one else on the planet. I mean, we were just singing the praise of Clint Kershaw, but if you had to go up there and say, okay, get me one out, I can be hard-pressed to think of any other guys other than Josh Hader, Corbin Burns, and Shane Bieber right now that I would want taking that out or that inning. Let's go with one inning. I mean, I know I'm –
1: Jacob DeGrois.
2: I mean just look at the look at the numbers here 57 strikeouts to 13 walks 52 strikeouts to zero walks for Corbin Burns I mean unless I'm really forgetting Jacob him, Jacob he hasn't played he hasn't
1: had as many starts as them that's why his strikeout numbers are lower he had 14 strikeouts and three straight starts. I Never guess. mind.
2: Throw him in there. It's 50 to three right now. <laughs> That's actually disgusting.
1: Yeah, no. He he just has only started four games. Those guys have had five starts. Or this might have been... Today some, was his fifth start. Was today DeGrom's fifth start? Yes. Mm, okay. Then, I don't know.
2: So he's, he is at tie with Bieber? I don't know. Makes my head hurt. MLB Daily your one-stop shop for completely baseless takes Thanks. that we're going to we're going to check on later and realize we're wrong mid-show cool
1: uh leaderboards and then we'll get out of here i was planning on doing one more thing but it's not important we'll wait till tomorrow to see uh, if it happens uh it was just anibal sanchez had a little bit of like a tryout deal uh last week there are some teams there uh he sh- might be signing this week so Just keeping tabs on that. Let's do the leaderboards and we'll get out of here. War for hitters. Trout, Acuna, Vlad Jr. And that is 1.9 for Trout, 1.8 for Acuna, 1.7 for Vlad. War for pitchers, starters. Jacob DeGrom at 2.1 retakes the lead. Garrett Cole, 1.9. Corbin Burns, 1.8. War for relievers. Matt Barnes ties James Karinchak now with 0.7. And then for second place, it's a tie between Mark Melanson and Scott Barlow of the Royals with 0.6. Home runs, we now have a four-way tie with eight. A Byron Buxton enters his name in there. So it is a Byron Buxton, Ronald Acuna, Reese Hoskins, and Ryan McMahon. Walks for hitters, it's Max Muncy with 23. And then walks for pitchers. Uh, LJ, this is what I talked to you a little bit about prior to the show. It's two Rockies pitchers who uh, lead the league in walks. That's Austin Gomber, or excuse me, Austin Gomber, I believe it is, and Herman Marquez. They each have 19. LJ, if you're going to pitch in Coors Field, you got to help yourself out and not walk bad.
2: Well, that's an average of something around like four to five walks per game.
1: Yeah, that is, which is not good.
2: That's not good at all. I'm shocked to see that right now. I mean, again, Jeff Breidich, what are you doing there, bud? Like, there's two things you can't have at course, fly ball pitchers and guys that aren't, that guys are going to let runners on uselessly. And that's, that's not good. I don't like seeing that.
1: Well, that is going to do it for episode I believe this is 61 of the MLB Daily Podcast. Make sure that you're following all the Twitter accounts that you need to at Belly Up Sports, at Belly Up Podcast for great sports content every single day. Of course, at MLB Daily Pod is our official show Twitter. Make sure that you go and give us a follow there. Uh, and then LJ and I, LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore La Fiora And I'm at Brandon underscore Carol.
2: Also, make sure you hit up at belly up MDFF Show. That's MD's fantasy football show where you can get all of your live draft content. Again, we will be sending that out tonight before their first round coverage starts. And then we will certainly be plugging it a lot for the second round when we get going. Also, do we want to announce real quick a couple of other things or reminders?
1: Yeah, Yeah, Um,
2: yeah. we've got just real quick, we've got the Bat Flip podcast coming on for Saturday's discussion. We'll be able to talk a little baseball with them. So we're very excited for that. And then unfortunately, very sadly, we will be unable to have Brandon with us for Sunday's podcast. But instead we are going to have our first guest host, of the year senior writer for the cape league baseball taylor viles will be joining me to talk about saturday's games see you manana
1: her.